Good to be together. I'm Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And just welcome if you're at uh, any of our other campuses, this campus, uh, joining us online. Welcome. Very special welcome, especially if you're new. Uh, We just want you to feel right at home. So many of you know that some friends and I recently went and did a little mountain walk. Did you hear about this? Yeah, we, we walked up Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, and we did that. Um, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't too many miles, but the whole 19,000 feet part was a challenge. And um, we, we did it to uh, help a great ministry that we partnered with called Missions of Hope International in Kenya uh, to jumpstart some university scholarships and loans and raised, you all uh, helped us raise, we all together raised over $130,000. We're sending like 30-something kids to college. It's going to change, yeah. It's going to change uh, their lives, can change their families and their, and their neighborhoods. It's going to be super awesome. So thank you for being a part of that and uh, for letting me get uh, you know, a chance to share a little bit about it today. I, I, still, I wore my boots again, and I haven't even cleaned them and shined them up yet. They still got like the dust of Africa on them. I just have not been ready to, to wipe that off yet. It's been uh, a great thing. Um, while there's still momentum from this trip, <clears throat> I wanted to do a couple things. One, my buddy Kirk Bolin and I decided we want to send, we're going to try to send one more student to college. So uh, we are doing this thing, and you can play our silly game with us if you want. It's called Save the Beards or Shave the Beards, okay? $5 a vote. Uh, we just want to send, $4,000 will send one more kid to, to four years of college. So if you want to save our beards, you can go online, look on our social media. So you'll see recent posts. You can give and say, Save the Beards, and we'll keep them till the end of the year. But if you vote Shave the Beards, we'll shave them like this week. If you like, if you're friends with Amanda Bolin, vote Shave the Beards. But if you, you know, we want to kind of keep them. But, uh, or don't play the silly game at all, but get, walk up, go online or walk up and hand us a wad of cash to send one more kid to school, okay? Um, secondly, while, we're the, while there's still momentum from this trip, uh, we're doing this series. We're in the third week of this thing. We're calling it Take a Step. And the first week you heard some friends sharing about, that, about our trip. Um, that last week you heard that classic mountain message called the three chairs. So check those out if you missed them online. And then, uh, today we get to talk about this thing called the mountain walk. If you've been around here, maybe you've heard of this. Um, our church, now our church is called, we're doing this partly because our church is called mountain Christian church, which is just natural name for a church that's on the, you know, Chesapeake Bay in Maryland, mountain Christian church, right? It always... (laughs) I know we're in the highest point in the county, tens of feet above sea level, um, but I have to make fun of this once every year or two. Uh, it's so funny when we travel, like if I'm traveling somewhere, I'm wearing some mountain gear, and people, we start talking, and people are like, oh, Mountain Christian Church. Where's that? Colorado, you know? I'm like, no, not exactly. Um, it, it cracks me up. Like, I have some friends, I, I know people that go to a church called Seacoast Church. I bet when they meet people, they, you know, people go, oh, where's that, Florida or California, and it would just be funny if they were like, no, we're in Nebraska, you know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it's called the Mountain Walk because we're called Mountain Church, but also because uh, it's a great metaphor for life. Uh, Life is hard, and it's much more often, sometimes it's like a, you know, a Sunday stroll, but much more often, life is like climbing a mountain. It's hard. I remember this, this old quote by Philo of Alexandria. He said, be kind, for everyone you meet is facing a great battle. So our mission around here is to make disciples more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And um, we, we like to say, if you say, okay, but what does that look like? If somebody is actually living that out and you kind of take a snapshot, what will you see 
uh, in their life. And we say at any given moment, you'll see these three things. And this is the mountain walk. Love God, love people, and serve the world. Lots of churches have their version of this. You'll hear up, in, and out. You'll hear uh, worship, connect, serve, these kinds of things. Because this, this is the fundamental stuff. And we didn't make this up. It comes straight from Jesus. Um, in Matthew chapter 22, you can look on your app or if you have a Bible with you, <clears throat> this, is, this is what happened. Some of them, uh, the religious leaders, Sadducees, Pharisees, uh, were talking to him. And one of the Pharisees uh, wanted to put him to the test. said, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Capital L. That's the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. That's the, the foundational stuff for the Jewish faith. He says, of all of that, what's the most important commandment? And says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then Jesus adds, he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, all the law and the prophets, he says, all that stuff, the whole scripture, all of it hangs on these two commandments. So uh, in Mark's version, this is also in Mark chapter 12, his account of this, he adds the word strength. He says, love the Lord your God. He has Jesus saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he goes on to tell this a little bit what happens afterwards. And the guy that Jesus is talking to uh, he says, well said, teacher. Uh, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. I, I just love this guy who's like talking to Jesus. And he's like, good answer, correct, wisest man who ever lived, gold star for you. And he says, to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And it says, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely... He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Listen to this. And it says, and from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. It's really interesting, right? It's like, uh, and it's true. If you read the rest of Matthew or the rest of Mark, like there's not a lot more like questioning of Jesus going on. He sort of, after this moment, he turns, he sets his face toward Jerusalem and he goes and lives it out. And he says, no further questions, right? Um, Enough has been said. This is the bottom line. This is the main thing. Now I'm going to go show you uh, what it means. And that's why we kind of, we add the part that says serve the world. Because loving God and loving people, it's about, it's not just about our thoughts and our feelings and our beliefs. It's about what we do. And so um, we live it out. It takes shape in our lives. Uh, There's a guy named Bob Goff. He's spoken here uh, before. He writes books. He does amazing stuff. Um, Love that guy. He, remember his first book? It's called Love Does. Love Does. So we say, love God, love people, and serve the world. So if we're going to take a few minutes and talk about each one of those today, the first one being love God. Now, I say love God, a question kind of comes to my mind, like, what does that even mean? What does it mean to love God? I mean, God who's eternal and omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent. Like, how do you love God? Now, some of you hear that and you're like, I know, it makes sense to me. I know how to love God. I feel, I feel like I do that. Others, though, I think we go, yeah, like, what does that mean? So I just want to say, first, you have to know God. You have to actually believe He's real. You have to have some experience with God and trust God. You have to also believe that God loves you. You can't love God if you don't first Know, know that he first loves you, right? Um, 
So if you're someone who is honest enough at any of our campuses or wherever you're, you're hearing my voice today, if you are honest enough to say, yeah, you know what? I don't really know God. I don't really trust that God is real or, and or that he loves me. I just want to say thank you for your honesty. And this is a safe place for you to kind of come explore that and wrestle with those questions. And some, I'll give you some suggestions on how to do that. One would be this rooted experience that you've heard about. It really is a great opportunity for you to kind of dive in and sort of wrestle with some of these questions. Also would say, uh, find someone, there's probably someone sitting right next to you maybe, who, who does say that they, that they know God and that they love God and God loves them. And I would just say, ask them about that. Say, tell me about that. And they'll tell you some, they'll, they'll give, point you sort, towards some resources and tell you something to read or whatever, but they'll, they'll probably just tell you stories. Hopefully they will just tell you their own story. I would say, if you, if you walked up and asked me this, tell me about God's love for us. What's that about? And we're in an elevator, and I had to give you the super short answer, okay? Um, I would just say this. If you know me at all, you know how much I love my daughters, okay? I'm just crazy about them. I'm, I post obnoxiously, you know, photos of them. I, I talk about them all the time. I, I just celebrate them, and um, I would die for them. I, I, I have this love for them that I, it's bigger than anything, you know, that I knew before. It, it, it's something I didn't even realize I was kind of capable of. I love them so much, and I would say, if you know me and how much I love them, how God loves you is like that times a million, million, millions, okay? It's, he is, he is so crazy about you. He created you in love. He, he adores you, and me, and all of us, and that person that you don't like, and everybody. He loves us like that. God is crazy about you, and, and so I would, and I would say point you toward the Bible. It's confirmed all throughout the Bible. You know, I'm not going to sit here and read a bunch of verses, but there's tons of them. Google uh, Bible verses that tell about God's love for us or something like that. Um, read Crazy Love by Francis Chan. It's a good book that talks about it. Um, one of the things the Bible does say is um, that nature itself points us toward the love of God. That it, it's, it is one way that God is expressing his love for us. That as we go down into the small and the intricate and learn more about that, uh, we see God's love for us. That we, as we go up to the big and majestic things, we understand God's love. Probably the top kind of love God moment for me on this Kilimanjaro trip was on the, the summit day. We were, we were walking up the mountain and uh, all through the night. And then we were almost to that top ridge. It was kind of a milestone for us on the way to the summit. And the sun started coming up and we just stopped and turned and looked at the sunrise and it was amazing we're above the clouds and we're looking at this other peak over there which is seven miles away but it looks like it's like right here and um it was just a moment for me when I felt I heard God not audibly so but just very loudly in my heart my spirit my mind I heard God say I love you and 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 I felt like he was saying this is for you not that it wasn't for anybody else, but like just a very personal message from God saying, I love you so much. I, I made this for you to enjoy. And uh, I just, I hope you can have some moments like that. I hope that you will soon have a moment like that. Um, I would also point you toward just praying. So if you want to understand God's love, I would say, say prayers like, God, if you're really real, would you show me? If you really do love me, would you, would you show me? And I'm just telling you, I truly believe that if you earnestly pray the prayers like that over a period of time, he will. God will show you. So 
once someone is convinced that God is real and that God loves you, then when we say love God, here's what we mean. Just love them back. Just not, not in some kind of a begrudgingly, oh, like now I got to do more religious stuff. That's what he's trying to say. Like now I got to do more church stuff. No. When you love, when you understand God's love and begin to sort of want to love him back, what's funny to me is like to see people who, um, who begin to discover this and they find themselves doing like church types of things, the kinds of things we do. And they're going like, I never would have believed that I'd have been doing this, that I've been serving in this way, that I've been sitting here, you know, in a worship service, whatever. And, but, but they're doing it not because they feel like they have to, because they, they want to. It's a way of showing God their love. Uh, think of it this way. If you love, think of a person, each of you, think of a person that you love so much. One person. This could be like a spouse, like a romantic thing, but it doesn't need to be. It, it could be like best friend, your best friend, your, um, your mom, your dad, your kid, your grandparent, your mentor, just think of that person who loves you and you love them. And now, how do you show them love? What kinds of things do you do? Well, I bet you tell them sometimes. I hope you do. I bet you spend time with them, just you and them. I bet that uh, maybe you write about it. Maybe you sing about it. Maybe you do crazy, audacious acts that make a fool of yourself like Buddy the Elf. You know, I'm in love and I don't care who knows it, right? We do that stuff when we love somebody enough. Um, you rearrange your schedule. You travel. You'll travel far. You'll spend money. You'll keep in touch. You'll give gifts. You'll do things to honor them kind of in their, in their name, in their honor. You'll tell people about them. Not because you feel like, oh, I guess I got, I got, I'm supposed to love them, so I got to talk about them all the time. It's like, no, you, if you love somebody, you can't help but like tell about them. Share that, right? So here's what we mean when we say love God. We're just like, do that stuff. Do that stuff about this God who is actually the most deserving and the most important. If, if he's number one in your life, you will, you will do those things. The one who's perfect in love and grace and truth and hope and beauty. Just love him back. And, you know, Jesus didn't invent those words when he said uh, that, that the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was just quoting actually from the law, from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. It's this thing called the Shema, okay? And it's even to this day, faithful Jewish people, they memorize this and they pray it morning and night. So listen, this is how it goes. It says, hear, O Israel, the people of God, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you a land uh, with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only. Take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God. It says, uh, don't put the Lord your God to the test. It says, be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you. Love God. 
Obey him. Follow him. If I can just give you, if you could remember one sentence from this love God section of this talk today. I just want to give you this charge and this challenge. Make a generous investment in your relationship with God. This, this is going to mean some of the same things for us and some different things for us as individuals, but it probably means something like you need to learn to pray and listen. You need to read the scriptures. You need to prioritize getting together with other Christians like, like we're doing now, but also in smaller groups. For me, I've been learning in the last few years how much I just need a lot of structure around this love God part of my life. So I came up with this. I have this daily like calendar journal where I'm tracking like the 10 things that I want to do every day to love God. Uh, I, quarterly retreats have become a really important part of my life, getting away, being alone with God. Regular time in nature, um, reading great stuff. For, you got to figure this out for yourself. You got to work it out with your spiritual friends and your small group and your pastors, whatever. Invest in it. And when, when I say invest in it, let me tell you this, it's going to be costly. It's going to cost you something to invest generously in your relationship with God. You're going to have to find, take those resources from other parts of your life and pour them into loving God. So I want to encourage you to say yes to God, which is going to mean saying no to a bunch of other stuff. I just realized a few years ago that I was a person who was willing to, I was always investing generously in lots of things, in loving people, in serving the world. But I realized I had become a person who was neglecting. I was kind of stingy uh, with uh, the love God piece, with my time, my energy, my finances. And I'm just trying to remedy that because it's the first thing. Love God. Jesus uh, told these two little short parables in Matthew chapter 13. He just said this. He said, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it somehow... He hid it again, went and sold all he had, and then bought the field. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought that pearl. When we begin to understand God's love, and we begin to respond to that, everything else in our life takes a back seat to a life of worship, of loving God. Okay, so... Which brings us to the second, second greatest commandment. Now look, put these two, two phrases. They're very similar on the screen. Second greatest commandment or second greatest commandment. Which one is it? Is it tied or is it ranked? Okay. Uh, you know grammar and punctuation are important, people. You know this? Let me prove it to you right now, okay? Uh, look at this one slide. What's the difference here? Let's eat, Grandma, or let's eat Grandma. <laughs> grandma cares about punctuation, let me tell you. Uh, look at this one. I like this one. What do you like doing? Well, I like cooking my family and my pets. Or I like cooking my family and my pets. Yeah, I, like it. I found this on the internet. It says, use commas, don't be a psycho. <laughs> so what we're trying to say here is this, this other part that Jesus added, it's, it's the other greatest commandment. It's, the, it's tied for first. Bob Goff says tied for first. Um, Jesus, uh, uh, in the book of Matthew, that word when it says, the, and the, Jesus said, and the second is like it. The word like in Greek is homo, homo eos. It means the same in appearance, the same in nature, the same in importance, the same in essence, the same in substance and authority. Okay? So Jesus is saying, uh, love God with everything you got and equally important, other side of the same coin, love people. Okay? Love people. Um, now, 
Uh, this love people section, I'm going to quote Bob Goff a lot, okay, because he just wrote this other book called Everybody Always. You got to check it out. It's like required reading, okay? Um, he, he says, you know, uh, when we say love people, we always want to kind of go, well, which people, all right? We, we sort of have, and I, I got a little um, illustration. We say, you know, we, I have my, I mean, there's obviously some people I'm going to love. They deserve it like I want to, right? And then there's others, though, that like not so much, like that I, I can't, I shouldn't, I don't want to love those people. And there's an aisle down the middle, right? So there's yes, I'm going to love these people. There's no, I'm not going to love these people. But Bob Goff says what, what, Jesus, uh, what Jesus told his friends can be summed up in this way. He wants us to love everybody and to start with the people who creep us out. So he wants us, Jesus says, take all these no's and start turning them into yeses. Am I going to love those people? Uh, somehow, yes. I'm going to do that. I'm going to figure it out. Um, you know, Bob Goff says we're all tied for first in God's mind. All of us. When, I mean, that means you, me, Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, Colin Kaepernick, right? Kim Jong-un, uh, Roger Goodell, you know, your neighbor, the weird guy at uh, work that you don't like very much, your mailman, your assistant principal, your teacher, your boss, all of us, tied for first in God's mind. He loves us. He created us. We're his children. So Bob Goff would say, want to do something nice for God? Uh, do it for one of his kids. As a dad, I would affirm this. You want to do something really nice for me? Man, bless one of my kids. And by the way, the reverse is also true, right? You can mess with me a little bit if you want to, but don't mess with my kids. And God's like that, right? So he says, uh, I love this too. Bob Goff says, you know, we make loving people a lot more complicated than Jesus ever did. So what we need to do is just say yes every chance we get to loving another human being. Showing love, no strings attached. Love everybody always. Now, I know we can't, we can't be with everybody. We can't love everybody all kind of the same amount or whatever. And yes, um, there are some people that kind of move to the front. There's people that have unique relationships in your life, like parents and kids and places where you can't be replaced, right? There's, um, there's people that are different from us, and we intentionally build bridges across cultural boundaries, and, and we, we be what our friend David Anderson calls gracists. We practice gracism, right? Um, we... we, we we listen to Bob Goff and say, you know, those people that weird me out, I need to pay special attention to loving them. You know, Christians, we're called uh, to even love our enemies and pray for them. So Bob Goff, sometimes he talks about uh, in this loving your enemies thing, he says, I, sometimes I have to do that 30 seconds at a time. He's like, I can love this person for 30 seconds. And then he says, I get to the end of the 30 seconds and I go, okay, 30 more seconds. He also talks about building friendships three minutes at a time. He tells this amazing story about one, this man who became one of his best friends who was a TSA worker at the airport that he frequents. And he said, we built our friendship three minutes at a time while I stood in that line. It's a cool thing. I love this. This is my, maybe my favorite part uh, from that book. He says, we got to stop acting like what we're called to do is agree with Jesus. We just act like our mission is to agree with Jesus, like listen to a sermon, sing a song, be like, I agree, and then go do whatever we want. It's easy to agree with Jesus. And he said, no, we're called to love 
God, love people. We're called to be like Jesus. We're called to treat every single person as if they were Jesus. That's hard. So what do we do? We want to love people. Just be with them. One, just be with them. This is uh, my friend, Tom, my other, one of my other heroes, Tom Moen, one of our pastors, right? This is me and Tom on top of Kilimanjaro. He's always talking about with, this word with. Uh, you know, we don't just do things for God. We do them with God. The Holy Spirit is in us and among us. We don't just do things for people. We go be with people, be present, right? Uh, Bob Goff tells a story in this book about they have this tradition at their cabin. This is like their version of a guest book. People, everybody goes under their kitchen table and write, they get to write one word on the bottom of the table. And he says, one of his friends wrote with, and he said, he got to thinking about that word. And uh, he said, with, gosh, it's kind of like the whole Bible in one word, with. You remember what they called Jesus when he was born? Emmanuel, God with us. You want to love people? First, just be with them. And then when you're with people, just tell them who they are. Don't tell people what they want or what they're supposed to want. Everybody is annoyed by that always. Nobody wants to hear you tell them what they're supposed to want. Even if it's true, you don't want to hear that. What you want to be told is who you are and who you're becoming. We need, to, we need to encourage one another. One of the best moments from our uh, Killy trip was our final team time together. We started by just sticking everybody in the middle one at a time and just pouring words of encouragement into them. And we did it for like an hour. It was beautiful. Tears were flowing, you know, but we could have done it for a whole day. Everybody needs that. We are called to encourage one another. In, in the New Testament, it says encourage one another and build one another up. Right? It says encourage one another daily because that's how often we need it. So we be with people, encourage them, speak words about who they are and who they're becoming, and then just tell, you know, just be with people and just tell about what you love. It's that simple. That's why I love Bob Goff. He just makes it so simple. You know, he, he talks about how we, um, as Christians, a lot of times we're taught to like uh, talk about Jesus a certain amount of times and force him into conversation and, and make this formula out of it. And he's like, if you think about like, you know, I love Jesus and, and I also love my wife. He calls his wife Sweet Maria. And he says, you know, if I had some kind of a thing where I had to challenge myself to talk about her 15 times a day. And then I came home and said, hey, I did it. I, talk, I made sure I talked about you 15 times a day. She would be like, you're so weird. Like, that's, gr- that's creepy. Right? And when we do that with Jesus, we come back and we're like, hey, God, I did it today. God, I talked to the people about you. But, like, don't force it like that, like some kind of a high-pressure salesperson. Rather, just be with people. Tell them about what you love. And guess what? If you love God, you'll talk about God sometimes. And he'll, he's already there. He's already in the mix. Just share what you love and let God do the convincing and the convicting. So we do, we, that's what we do when we're with people. But we don't just talk, right? We do. Right? Love does. And so the third one is serve the world. Now, why do we serve the world? Well, here's enough right here because Jesus did it, and he's our example, and he said to do it. He's our Lord. That's enough right there. But there's more. Like We, we also do it because it becomes clear that this is what we're made to do. I love one of my favorite things about being a pastor is like seeing people come alive when they start serving something bigger than just their own selves and their own little world. When they start serving in God's name for God, with God, it's like people start coming alive like this is what I was made for. 
right? I, you know, I could have gone and climbed Kilimanjaro just on an adventure, right, for myself, by myself, but um, it meant a thousand times more that I did it for these students, for these Kenyan students who so deserve it. I could have gotten up the mountain a little faster than I did, but it meant a thousand times more to me that I was, that I was able to kind of help some others along the way, and we did this thing together and, and got each other up the mountain. I could have not gone at all. I would have missed out on so much. Jesus says, love your neighbor. And then the natural question comes, all right, well, who's my neighbor? You know, who's the yeses, who's the noes, right? And um, Jesus said, your neighbor is anyone in your path, anyone in your life. There's that, that good Samaritan parable in Luke chapter 10 we like to talk about. This guy, he's beat up, he's on the side of the road, uh, Who's his neighbor? It's not the people with all the religious credentials who walked right by him. It's the ones, it's the one who actually stops and helps. There were so many memorable things from this trip. Um, the Missions of Hope stuff, I got to meet our sponsored sponsor child that we've been sponsoring for years. Her name is Clarice. It was amazing to meet her and hug her. Uh, the beauty of the mountain, the team. But maybe the most impactful thing for me was just these, these guides and porters that uh, worked with us on this trip, that um, got us up the mountain. This is a picture of Bruce. He was the leader. He's uh, my buddy. He has a son named Nathan, so he called me my son. Uh, I called him my father, you know. Um, this is a picture of Tom Tom, who was one of the other leaders. He was like the point man. He kind of led us literally up the mountain. He was a joyful guy. Um, there was another one named Living. His first name was Living. I never heard that as a first name. I thought that was a pretty awesome name for a boy. Um, if anybody's naming a kid. Um, I just want to tell you about these guys. I, I got a chance to share with our team in our last little like devotional time together. Uh, and here's part of what I shared with them. By the way, there was 50 of these guys, okay, uh, for 26 of us. So if that, that might diminish our hero status a little bit among you guys. It took 50 of them to get 26 of us up the mountain. I'm okay with that, okay. So let me tell you what they did. Let me tell you what they did. Uh, they greeted us warmly over and over. Smiles, fist bumps, encouragement. They showed us the way step by step. There were times when we were just literally staring at the back of their boots, getting up the mountain. Uh, they never suggested to anyone, even in their lowest moments, that, that that person turned back. They always suggested one more step forward. They said over and over and over, pole, 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 slowly, slowly. So they set a sustainable pace for us. They said over and over, hakuna matata, right? No worries. We got this. We got you. You got this and we got you. They always knew, they always seemed to know it was the right, the right moment for a song, the right moment for a cheer, the right moment for just some quiet trudging along. They prepared a table for us over and over and served us. They warned us of specific hazards when the trail was getting slippery, when there was scree and, and steep drops, they, they would warn us. They asked how we were doing. They would look in our eyes and say, how are you doing? And they really meant it. They really wanted to know. Other times they just knew without asking. They would come up and just start zipping up a coat or unzipping a coat or removing a layer or putting a layer on. Sometimes they would just walk up to people and just be like, they just took their backpacks. And, and they would be, some of these guys would be carrying three or even four backpacks up this mountain. In addition to all the food and supplies, they carried our stuff. They, ca they even carried us. Okay, some of the people uh, coming down the mountain, they were just toast, uh, just loopy from the altitude, whatever, and these, these guys would have them arm in arm, and they're just trucking down the mountain, and they're just basically only upright because someone is with them. Galatians 6, 2 is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and it just says this, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
if you walk up to somebody and say, hey, what does it mean to fulfill the law of Christ? You know, I think we would start going, we would tend to start going to high and holy religious sounding things. But it's not that. It's just, it's just help somebody out. Just serve. So I just challenged our team coming down off the mountain and headed back to the real world of our everyday lives. And I want to challenge you now that we, in our context, if we are Christ followers, we get to be the spiritual guides and porters for others. Peter said, we are a chosen people. We are God's holy priests. All of us, not just the quote-unquote pastors. We're all pastors and ministers in that way. Paul said this, uh, audaciously he said this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I just, I read that and I go, wow, no pressure, right? And we, we read that and we go, wow, he could say that though because he's the Apostle Paul. He wrote a bunch of the New Testament stuff. But I've been thinking lately, I wonder if it's because he said that, not because he was Paul that he could say that, but because he said that, that he was Paul. That he dared to live that way. You know, you, if you're in Christ, you're a guide. If you're a Christ follower, you're a spiritual porter for those around you. I mentioned what they did. Here's, a, here's why and how I think they were able to do this stuff for us. These guys had local knowledge. They knew the trails. They knew the territory. Um, one day, uh, we, were, we were coming down. Uh, we were hiking. Susan is here in this service, and she and I were hiking fast. We were trucking, and we were with Tom Tom, and he pulled off with another guy for a while, and we kept hiking for like 20 minutes, and we were going and then we come around the bend, and there's Tom Tom in front of us, just chilling on this bridge, like waiting for us. We were like, "What are you, some kind of wizard?" And he's like, "Nah, I just know shortcuts." <laughs> so they know that you know they're used to the trail. They know the rhythms. They're used to the altitude. Uh, they they know the other unique challenges. They have developed special skills. They have the right gear. One day we were all just kind of talking about, "Man, you guys are amazing." And Tom Tom he just goes, he he said, "This is my office." This is my office, you know. Um, they just know what, what they're doing. They had a shared identity. These guys were from the same neighborhood. They had a background history together. They had a shared language and even language within the language, like code language. Uh, they were a tight group. Uh, they had the joy of the Lord. Our group was different from some of the other groups we encountered. Something's going on. The Holy Spirit is up to something in these guys. Um, all of these things are kind of, are, are, they're true of us here, Right? So we, church, can create a culture of encouragement to get people up their mountains every day. If we do these things, greet them warmly, smiles, fist bumps, show the way step by step, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Never suggest they turn back, but urge them to one more step. Say pole pole, set a sustainable pace with your life if they're going to imitate your life. Hakuna Matata, you got this, we got you. Know when the right moment for a song or a cheer or just some quiet. Prepare a table. Offer up some hospitality. Warn based on your experience of some specific hazards. Ask how you're doing and mean it. Sometimes you'll just know without having to ask. You just show up and you serve somebody, kind of whether they like it or not, you know, in a, in a loving way. Uh, help carry a burden. Just, just make them some food or do whatever that is. That stuff is actually what church is. That is fulfilling the law of Christ. And further down the page in Galatians 6, it just says this, Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, 
let us do good to all people. You know, there's also times in life where we need to say a lot of no's. Okay, one of those is when you're packing your pack, your day pack for climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. You want to say the right yeses, very few right yeses, and a whole lot of no's to what you put in that pack. It needs to be very light, only the bare essentials. But also, and I want to offer you this, uh, this is just Nathan talking, but this is, I suggest, a strategy for you when you think about how to serve the world. I want you to think about uh, within the ministry of Mountain Christian Church, your, if this is your church, think about saying one, maybe two really good yeses. And then a whole bunch of no's to a whole bunch of great ministries. Go all in on, a, on one or two. And then outside the, the walls of this church, I want you to think about find another organization or two that just light you up. That are just, you just love them. Like my friend Mike who goes to visit people in prisons or Wayne with uh, Welcome One Shelter or Debbie at Peaceful Waters or George with Extreme Family Outreach or whatever it is. Say a couple of really good yeses with your time and energy and prayers. And then say a lot of no's, okay, and be okay with that. Also, some, some discretionary kind of margin time and energy and finances that you can respond and serve the world. And, you know, maybe you sponsor a kid. You say a few really good yeses and a whole bunch of no's when you're thinking about how to serve the world. In front of you, I want you to grab this little card. Everybody's got one at every campus. Please, please put this in your hand. If you do uh, Humor me, okay? And then I want you, in your other hand, take your phone out and open your calendar app. Or if you have a paper calendar planner that you use, hold it in your other hand. And if you're like, this is weird, this is dumb, I promise you'll do 10 weirder and dumber things before you sleep tonight. So just humor me. Hold these in your two hands. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, Close your eyes if you want to. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and then we're going to sing a song. I want you to open yourself to God and what might be your next step on the mountain walk, on your mountain walk, your personal but not private journey of transformation into who God has created you to be. And let's just pray. God of love, we open ourselves to you now. Cards in one hand representing all the many serving opportunities all around us within and without the structure of mountain. Calendars, in the other hand, representing the finite amount of time and energy and other resources entrusted to each one of us. We ask God that you would guide us and convict us, nudge us or shove us, whisper to us or shout to us. Whatever's needed to give us wisdom and discernment and courage that we need as we think about our next steps with you, with you, not just for you. God, help us today and in the days to come to say a handful or maybe even just one very good yes when it comes to serving. And God, also help us to say a whole bunch of the right no's that we may, each as individuals and collectively as little congregations and communities of faith, love you, love people, and serve the world in new and ever more meaningful and significant and fruitful ways most importantly, in ways that please and honor you. In the name of Jesus, we join with the words said long ago by Teresa of Avila. She said, O Christ, you know, we, we have heard you say that you now have no body on earth but ours, no hands, no feet on earth but ours. 
Ours are the eyes through which you look compassion on this world. Ours are the feet with which you walk to do good. Ours are the hands through which you bless all the world. Ours are the hands, ours are the feet, ours are the eyes. We are your body. Jesus, you have no body now on earth but ours. So help us to go, to love, to serve, burn within us, shine brightly, draw all people to yourself as we seek to walk with you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Let's take these moments as we stand, please, and respond to our God.